How are the leaders at all levels of management tackling the toughest challenges each day? That's the question. And this podcast is the answer. I'm Rob Fonte, and I'm bringing on the brightest minds in management to share practical solutions to those challenges you're facing. Let's get ready to jam. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Leadership Jam Session. For many of my clients, I create and facilitate what's called an Emerging Leaders Program. It's designed to prepare emerging leaders for their first management positions. Participants learn and apply foundational leadership skills throughout a multi-phased experiential journey. At the core of the program is the use of internal managers to serve as coaches and mentors. These are seasoned leaders hand-selected by the organization to help coach their assigned participant throughout the entire duration of the program. As a two-part recording, this first episode features participants from a recent cohort. You'll get to hear leadership development from a learner's perspective and what a participant is going through during your leadership development journey, their aha moments, etc. In the next episode, you'll hear from the coaches who help shepherd the participants to gain their perspective on mentoring these emerging leaders during the program. But for now, I have four guests joining me, Scott Dumler, Josh Key, Brian Fagan, and Elizabeth Martin, who went through my program as participants and are now leading people. Enjoy the episode. All right. Well, welcome to the jam session. Are you all ready to jam? I am. I'm ready. All right. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your leadership journey. So let me just start off. What was the biggest impact for you or the biggest aha going through this program? Who'd like to start? I'll go, I guess. All right, Scott. Thinking about this, it was about three months, four months after this program ended for me is when I had the opportunity to become a regional manager in the Neuromod division. And the greatest takeaway that I had immediately, I'm talking day one, was just trying to adapt to different styles of the people that I was managing. Obviously, I'm... I'm trying to learn about them. And now nine months later, after thinking this through every conversation we have, I truly do see how the same conversation with two different people has dramatic impacts if you're not kind of meeting their styles and what they're looking to get out of that conversation. So for me, thinking it through, other than just here, I'm going to come coach about a product. No, that's just a tiny piece of it. Honestly, it was about the people and being able to shorten that learning curve for me and for my team, I think has had a great impact on the, the culture that we have within my group and the way that I interact with each one of my team members. Great. All right. How about the rest of you? Is that similar experience? I think all the tools that we utilized during and the tools that I took before I became a manager, I didn't know if they actually used them. So I think that was one key takeaway. Like I had all these tools that I took and then I could use as when I started managing, I could use them to help me, to help manage that person better, to meet their needs and their styles. The other thing I also took away is being such a people person that everyone is in this journey and they fall sometimes and, or make the wrong decisions. But there's so many people that I was able to connect with that are different from me that I want to connect to. I know the people, what they're going to say that are similar. So just being able to make those relationships to be able to reach out to, hey, I have this problem. This is what I'm thinking. What do you think? I think that's a big thing for me. So just leveraging, just reaching out to other people, right? Other peers. With years that, more experience than I have. Right. Yeah. That's what we talked about this, right? I mean, great leaders reach out to other leaders. 
right? I'm curious, Brian, did you have a similar experience with, with Scott just in terms of two different people, two different styles of conversations? Did that impact you? I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah. Early on, I was asking for something from one of the people that I work with and I just wasn't getting the response that I was looking for. And I actually was really struggling. I was like, I'm going to have to have a difficult conversation. Then I realized it was hundred percent me. I was asking something that he didn't, just the, his style was different. So I figured that out one early morning. And then I literally sent him an email. We're on different coasts. So he responded with exactly what I wanted. I realized it was just me looking at myself, how he wants to be communicated to, which went from a difficult conversation to just me switching the way I do things with him. Yeah, yeah I remember you sharing that story. Josh, Elizabeth? Yeah, I'll speak up because mine kind of piggybacks off Brian. I would say, like everyone else, they took a lot away from the program. But kind of the biggest thing for me that I realized towards the end of the cohort was nobody, nobody has the right answers. Like even people you look at that you think, wow, this is, this is a really great leader. They, you know, they never misstep. They always know what they're doing. Like Brian said, nobody has all the answers and everyone's reaching out to their, either their peers or their mentors. And just, if you keep your team and the people in mind and really just try to do what's best for them, you really can't go wrong. Even if you maybe could have made a better decision, but just, just thinking that like, no one has the answers and it's, there's a lot of pressure. I think when you're managing teams, especially as a new manager and just having that in the back of their mind, like, okay, there's, there's not one right answer. I have these people that I met and this, this group of mentors now that I can reach out to for difficult situations. Or even if you think you're doing the right thing, but just want to bounce ideas off of them. That was kind of the biggest thing for me. Cause I previously had looked at people who are in leadership positions while like, wow, this must be really easy for them. They know what they're doing, like, but it's not, it's, it's a continuous learning experience. Yeah. That was one of the, if, if you all remember in the very first session, the myth and reality questions, right? Managers are supposed to have all the answers, right? Myth and reality, right? Yeah. And I became pretty clear that, yeah, managers definitely don't have all the answers, right? I don't care how long you've been doing this job. So yeah. yeah. And the situations too, where it's like, it's okay to say no to your, the people that you manage your team, like, I'm not really sure like what to do in this scenario. Let me get back to you. And it doesn't make you less effective of a leader or a manager. That's when right. people have done that to me, I actually think it makes them better, right? Because nobody's perfect. Nobody knows everything. Right. Yeah. Listen, over the years, as I got more confident as a leader, I got very comfortable saying, yeah, I have no idea. Right. But, but I, I can figure out where to go get the answer, right. Or working together with my employee. Yeah. Josh, how about you? Yeah, no, I agree with all of the, the sentiments that have been laid out so far too. Yeah, definitely being vulnerable and authentic. I mean, it leads to authenticity when you say you don't know and understanding the different personality types on your team. I mean, that was, that was so huge. I guess it starts with self-awareness. And so going through that process initially, understanding who I was and, and really diving into that snapshot in time, but then layering that over similar evaluations or analysis that before it really during this program, it just came, all came together and then understanding what my strengths were and then not, not to kind of dive in and lean into your strengths and then to the point where you make them a weakness. And mm -hmm. so kind of putting all, mixing all that stuff together in a stew and then rolling out and then serving it up to your team, working with as I say all of that to say, then, then you, that takes you to a place of situational leadership, right? And so then it just depends. And then before that, promoted from individual contributor to a management role where I'm kind of siloed and I'm like, I'm going to do it my way. I really, I bounced a couple of things off from other people before, but now in this role, 
I really did. I've come into several different situations where I recognize that my delivery and my, I'm a DI, so that's not going to go over well with this particular person's personality, the way they communicate. And so let me reach out to another one of my partners or in the management team and say, Hey, how would you handle this situation? And like, Hey, this is, and let's come across a situation. This is exactly what we just rolled through during the, the, the program. And so it kind of set me up. I felt like from day one, being promoted during the program. And then it, without a doubt, hands down this program, I, without a bit, I was light years ahead of where I would have been, had gotten promoted and not gone through this level of self-awareness and then an understanding and giving the tools to go out and work with my team, all with the, the foundation and like, hey, I don't have to have know all the answers and just guide them and yeah, it's just, just a phenomenal program. And also that really this, with anything else with relationships were the, the key to, the thing too. We could go back and leverage those partners cross cross divisionally and within your team, within your division. So yeah, yeah. so so look, it was all over the place there, but it's all good. Don't worry. But you know what? So you bring up a good point in terms of just reaching out to cross functional members because 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 we had a whole mix, right? In in the cohort. It just wasn't just sales in the room, we had a mix of different departments. And I threw this question out to the coaches when I, when I had the episode with them. All right, I'm going to just ask all of you as well. Do you think it's better to have a cohort and going through management training with, with participants, peers who are in the same department as you, or do you think it's better to have a mix of participants from across the, the, the division or the organization? Thoughts? 100% a mix. I, matter of fact, getting the, the information and being paired up with somebody from a different division, it speaks to me about the just leadership that, that we all are looking to, to learn from and to glean from a, a program like this. But I think managing people, it doesn't matter your division, which is kind of the beauty of it. So you're talking it, but I do like to get the, the, the components and the aspects of the similarities between divisions. But when it becomes managing people, I just think that it was so unique to hear how some of the challenges that these other divisions go through and if they're applicable to our same division. One thing that everybody was just saying just about individual personalities and being able to manage to that, my biggest takeaways was when I took this role, I have groups that work together and then groups that are like an individual contributor. So it's one thing I took away that just screams at me every time is when you have these groups working together, like kind of a pod system, you get somebody that, you know, you're working with and they've got one opinion on things instead of just reacting, which I, I feel like I've got the answer and I want to react, right? I step back because you got to take time and, and get all the different perspectives, right? Before you kind of come to a, an answer for this person, because their answer may be different than the next answer and the next opinion that you get for the same conversation. So I guess timing, this, this class taught me a lot about timing. Just step back, don't react and take some time to, to think it through and then have some sort of a better leadership or general response. How about everyone else? Do you agree with that or have you come across that as well, Elizabeth? I was going to say, I agree with Scott hundred percent having all the business units together. I think, especially on the ACS side, our business unit is relatively small. So I've done leadership trainings with just our business unit and you you kind of already know everybody and you, you've already heard their opinion and just hearing, like Scott said, people's different experience, even if it's the same issue 
handled differently from somebody that has a different perspective or different personality and handle something differently than you think you would or your mentors that you have within your business unit would. I think that was like incredibly valuable just hearing from, I would say like cross-functionally, but the other business units rather than just our own, especially for me, like I said, ACS, we're pretty small. We work with all the leadership team a lot in general. So I'm sure we would have learned a lot from them, but just hearing from people with different perspectives and different experiences, even though it's the same business, they're totally different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, But, but you know, the argument out there is, is that, yeah, but managing salespeople is, is very different than managing people in marketing or nurse educators. I mean, I remember this came up in the beginning of, of, of the program. There were some thoughts and comments about that. I think that's true. And as somebody who's in a non-sales role and yeah. the majority of the group was in sales roles, I think you and the kind of coaches did a good job of making it not like role specific, but situation like management. Mm -hmm. And that helped. And a lot of, there was a lot of different personalities in the room. And I think that that also helps. So sometimes those different personalities go along with the role. So it was nice to have different business units and the different roles because same, the same situations happen in the sales role versus an education role versus a marketing role. And you see how they're handled differently when maybe the goal is different. Like the goal is to meet a number versus the goal is to do something else. But you can pull those experiences from how different departments managed it. And you're like, oh, well, that's, I never really thought of that because I'm laser focused on my end goal versus somebody else's end goal. And they can be managed very differently. So well said. It is amazing just just watching all of you. It just just happens with all the cohorts. How the mind shift just changes. You start seeing things differently by, by the time, the end of the journey. How you answer this question right? Just, it was a very different perspective from when all of you originally started on, on day one. Fair? Totally fair. Yeah. I feel like the day-to-day before I took a leadership role, it was going to be about a sales goal. Here's what it is. We're going to all march and we're going to just celebrate sitting like kings, right? I think 95% of my day has nothing to do with sales, nothing to do with, you know, what I thought a leadership role in this position would entail. It's actually everything else, managing personal stuff and all these different things are coming at you throughout the entire day. Yeah. I mean, Josh is in the throes of it right now, right? I mean, he's what, a couple months in, two, three months? Yeah. 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 Going on three months and everything you thought, thought it was right. You think the sales management and then you're, you're in the team, you're doing field rides and yes, that's definitely a component, but I mean, and then you've got immediately had a vacancy, right? Due to promotion, my promotion. So working through that process, interviewing immediately, how, how you, how you do that and evaluate talent and then immediately using those tools, bringing those tools to the front to understand as if you can immediately diagnose what their communication, what their personality style is, the way they like to communicate, digging in, trying to find their, what their strengths are and teasing that out of them, trying to get them to tell you that, evaluate that piece. That was, that was huge. And then also on the performance management side, Scott, I, mean, I know you can, Test of this too, just understanding things aren't going like they want as well as you would like. The, your direct report would like the situation to be going a lot better too. And just un- diving in, understanding like where they're at and then how to, how to, what tools you can use based on their, their personality and communication style, what their strengths are, and then how to use, leverage them. Like it's, for instance, I have one situation, I've got two senior reps on my team that have been here longer than I am. 
And so understanding, just digging in, peeling back the onion, understanding how they work, what their processes are. Hey, you were successful before. How can we get back there again? And so all these different dynamics kind of percolating at once. And then, so getting there, then what some of these process that we're getting past, and now we get to this point where now we're kind of shifting to see it's more as a collaboration. I think you bring up like a great point, Josh. So I don't, I think everybody on this call, I'm not sure, went from like a peer to as like part of the team to the leadership role, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, I'll speak for myself personally, it was really tough when people on the team that I was not managing had more tenure than me, they were older than me. I think this program gave me the tools to have the confidence to kind of help that imposter syndrome a little bit. When, you know, you look at the rest of the team, like, well, you could have, you could have done a good job in this role too, but like, I got it for a reason and I deserve to be here, but just, just having the tools to use when needed. And then also just giving the confidence that like, like you deserve, I deserve to be in this role and I need to like make, have that confidence with the team. So then they respect me as their yeah. new manager and their leader. So it's, it's a tough transition for sure. Yeah, I totally agree with that. So back to the different people in the cohort, a little bit of self-awareness. Josh said it earlier. When we first got there, I, I felt like a lot of the salespeople maybe dominated the conversations or the first to speak. Then we went to, I don't know, pokey little puppy store, whatever that, whatever exercise we did. And in the beginning, you could hear like the, the salespeople have one goal, right? Or sell, whatever. And you would, I felt my group, the salespeople spoke the most, but it wasn't until some of the other people that weren't in sales started speaking. Did we really see a bigger picture? And then. And this was during the simulations, right? The first, the simulation, right? right? Because we were so just get done quick, make fast decisions, get them done. We'll fix it on the end. Right. Where they have a much bigger just from what they do every day, it's just a different process. And they may seem, they have such, I'm thinking of my little group, but like there were some people with really great ideas. My self-awareness was I'm so dominant or D, whatever, that I I didn't give them time to talk. So now it's like the self-awareness, like I got to back up. I want to hear what everyone else has to say first and give them that floor. So I really feel like that was eye-opening for seeing some of these people in the cross divisions where if you have a bunch of salespeople, it's who can talk the loudest, the fastest, raise their <laughs> hand the quickest. Now that's a general, but you know, it's salespeople talk to strangers every day. Yeah. So we're having the ability to stop, listen to the other people in the group. It's really eye-opening. Hmm. Brian, you're spot on. Like I, I had that same aha moment in our groups and it was when it wasn't necessarily about not raising the hand first or listening more. It was perception or like the, we watched the same video or we, we were reading the same thing, but then to hear what they saw versus what I was confident was fact. I mean, it was amazing just what we pulled out of that. And then hearing how they would have a solution versus my solution, it, it was completely eye-opening. And so I look at when I'm with my group in, in our region, I, I think that constantly like what is their perception on the same topic that we're talking about and how are they viewing this obstacle in front of us versus what i see and i assume is fact which may not be fact to them it's completely maybe something opposite it's pretty cool just to hear you hear you talk about this right because the way we opened up this 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 episode was several you were talking about how reaching out to others right other 
peers, right? Getting advice and, and different perspectives, which brought us right back to one of the first activities we did in this program was putting you in small groups, in simulations, making decisions, and really forcing you through that experience to listen to other perspectives. Because I know for all of you, you had one decision that you, you were going to move forward with, but listening to others, you started thinking, well, maybe this isn't the right path to go. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yep. Absolutely. No, the way it was structured was, that was huge. Just from that sitting across the table with their, with our personalities on, on our name cards. And so you can kind of start to visually process that. And, and as you start to work through the different exercises, you audibly hear it. Yeah, that's, a, that was definitely, I didn't look thinking back. That's when the shift started to happen. And yeah, you, you roll through the scenarios and then you just open your, sit, stick, take a step back and, and listen. Mm -hmm. It's key. Very good. I actually want to go back to uh, something that we were just talking about a few minutes ago. Have all of you moved into your leadership role with the team that you were currently on or you were on as a peer? Yes. Yeah. Three out of four. Yeah. Okay. All right. Interesting. So let me ask you another question. Well, first of all, were there any other ahas that come to mind or any other surprises or even moving into the role that kind of surprised you? Oh, Brian? Talking to the coaches, I felt all who I thought were great leaders or some of them I didn't know, but they're seen as great leaders in their side of the organization. When they're sitting there taking notes from us or taking notes and asking them like, what, what are you writing down? They're like, oh, I'm getting as much of this out of it as you are. And the reality is not everyone had, they were just put into a position with very little mm -hmm being prepared or education or anything like that. So that was surprising to me that they were getting as much out of this class or, or program as we did. Mm -hmm. And the perception of like the leaders is just kind of handed off or you get promoted, but there's no real training. So I, I felt like that was pretty eye-opening. Yeah. Let's I mean, Oh, go ahead, Scott. Scott. Just, go ahead and finish on that one. Then I'll, I'll follow up with mine. Cause it's a little bit different topic, but go ahead. Yeah, it was interesting when I was doing the the episode with the coaches, they actually did share and talk about how much they learned from you, the participants. So again, Brian, I think it's, it's a great point to bring up. How was having coaches in a room, uh, were they beneficial? And again, these, these were leaders within the organization that were brought in to, to help and they were with you all along the journey thoughts on, on how they impacted the program. Elizabeth. I would say like, that was one of my favorite things about the program is having the panel of coaches, like not just your individual coach, but the entire panel there and having a panel that was so open and honest and willing to share their good and their bad experiences was just an incredible learning experience. I feel like now I have a step ahead of other people who are new in leadership that like, well, I know so-and-so did this and they told me that didn't work well. So I'm just going to avoid that situation rather than making that mistake on my own. So that was, that was one of my favorite things. And, and like I said, at least my group, the, the panel of coaches was just so open and so honest, which made it like really, really impactful. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Scott, you have another thought? Yeah, I completely with, agree with what Elizabeth just said. I still talk to my, my coach, Chip a fair amount, right? And this is two and a half, two years later mm -hmm. about situations, about different things that come up. 
your content is great in the program, right? That's printed out. I've been through courses before where there's content. There's never been that other layer of real life sitting back at a table, filling in and giving examples. And that is where everything just met for me when they would give examples of, okay, here's what we're talking about. Now they give, okay, here's what, when I failed or here's what seemed to work, but it took me six months to get there. I just felt like it was a springboard to help us better understand what real, not even with our own company, but just in general, how to manage people, how to manage within our own organization. And that was the other aha that I had just before we move on from that was I didn't realize how much of this I would use internally. So not just my own team, but we're on calls with leadership and high level folks all, all the time. I feel that I pull a lot of this, what we've learned and just trying to adapt to these conversations and situations and what I can bring to the table versus reactive. It's more proactive. Like I'm trying to engage in a different manner. So internally, I've used this leadership information mm -hmm. more so than I ever thought that I would. So it's interesting. I, I joke around all the time saying, hopefully you'll, you'll learn something from me, maybe one or two things, mm -hmm. but the reality is right. The, the coaches that, that we bring in handpicked within the organization truly are the backbone yeah. of the program. I think that's, that's what does make it unique. So <clears throat> by the way, sign me up if that ever comes up again. Well, I mean, I have had actually launched a core or another organization a couple of months ago, two of the coaches were participants in one of my programs years ago. Nice. And here they are now as coaches, which is pretty cool. Yeah. See that. Right. Uh, but you know, I'll, I'll just piggyback on what Brian was saying before. Rarely do managers get the proper training, right? When they get promoted. And, and again, it's, it's not even this industry, the healthcare industry. It's, it's most, if not all industries, right? People get promoted because of their technical skills. And unfortunately, the majority are rarely given any type of training, even when they're in the role, let alone prior to the role. So let me ask you this. Now that you've gone through the program, you're managing people. Do you think there's a benefit of going through some type of foundational leadership training like you did? prior to taking over a team? Or do you think, because there's a philosophy out there that, ah, they were great in their role. They should be, let's just promote them and give them a team. Absolutely. I'll start here. I think I was like, hey, I was successful here. I'm going to take my copy paste approach and they're like, hey, this is what I did. This is how I was successful here. You could be successful utilizing the things that I did in my delivery and style. And could I have been more wrong had I not and fought and failed extremely fast had I not gone through this foundational step. So yeah, it's absolutely critical. You're right, Josh. Or just because he threw that out there, just on the same division side of things. I, I felt like I would have been screwed if, if this wouldn't have. <laughs> really? I mean, just have, I think we should have way more actually, because if you think about it, like taking a, a good rep, for example, and saying, okay, now you're a manager, to be honest, that should be kind of the last thing that leaders look at. Like, who's a, who's a good leader? And even if they're not like top every year president's club, that doesn't matter. That shouldn't really play into effect. So having more of this, I would love more of this. I would have been screwed if I would have had nothing. I would have went out and did what Josh just said. Here's what worked for me. You know what? That's a terrible leadership model. Matter of fact, because of everything, all the different moving pieces, that's, the last, that's probably what I would have done. And I absolutely didn't do that because of the foundation that was set with this. 
Elizabeth? Yeah, I'm just a hundred percent agree. I think you think people start like a new job or a new role, like outside of leadership, they get some form of training and it's, it's, I would say at least standard in, in this business. And like my previous experiences in hospitals is like, oh, you're, you're a great rep. You're a great physician, whatever it is, like you'll be great at leadership. You'll be great at management, but just because you're good at the the task at hand in your current role does not mean you're going to be like a good people leader or a good manager. And I think a lot of people have to go into it. Scott and I think we're kind of in the same situation. I I got put in a manager leadership role like right in the beginning of the course. So I had these tools to media apply. But people who have no training, they're just kind of going in blind, winging it and hoping for the best and maybe not doing the best and doing a disservice to their team as well. So ultimately having an impact, a negative impact on the business possibly. So I think investing on the front end or continue training, like Scott said, is incredibly valuable. I think we all would have gotten there, but it would have taken some time. I feel like I would have made a lot of mistakes early on and probably communication issues that would have really slowed down progress, right? Whether it's in the sales side of getting other people to do better or hit their number or how to help them. I just think it would have slowed me down. And I don't know how many months where having this was able, I mean, I wasn't even kind of like Elizabeth and Josh kind of got this new position during the class. I was able to use those tools immediately and save so much time so that we could be successful or, and so I just think it, I think we would have gotten there. I just think it would have been taking some, a lot more time. So let's be more efficient and then let's get this ball rolling. So the team looks better or we all look better. So success there. Well said, Brian. I mean, look, you're all high performers. This is why you were selected, right? People saw the potential in you. You definitely would have got there, not without mistakes along the way. And this is all about reducing the learning curve. Right. And, and just trying to give you some of that foundational and the tools and the confidence. I mean, look, there are some that, that have been managing for years and still haven't gotten there. So there's that. Right. But, you know, what I'm hearing is it, at least it's, it's giving you the tools and, and resources and the connections too. And we talked about how important that was. Right. Yeah, I think, I think you will. I don't know if you ever get there, but that's the way I'm looking at this. But I do think that you get more comfortable and you're, and you're better at things. Brian, you said something about mistakes. I think this helped me make less mistakes up front, right? I'm still making mistakes and I'm going to continue to make mistakes. This helped me make less mistakes. So I'm thankful for that. Yeah. 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 Shortening the learning curve, I mean, it's critical, especially in an organization or a company that's publicly traded in time is the, that's the one resource we do not have. And especially in our business, we're in, we live in quarters, but really you live in half quarters because what you need to do in that, first, that front end in the quarter, typically we ship the things now, but that means that you really don't have time. And so being able to shorten that learning curve to get to a place where you're productive and efficient and have a meaningful impact is, is key. All right, last question. I got to ask this. What was your funniest memory of, the, of going through the course? That'd be a Brian Fagan moment, but there were several. Yes. Yeah. I think back to one of the coaches. So we talked about the coaches. I liked kind of bringing it back to that, but having different coaches there, I think of Ryan and his Ferrari. I love the difference of opinions because me and Ryan, we had some difference of opinions, 
we, we would joke around about him. And he would say he's spending all his time with his Ferrari, which is his top performer. And then, so I just, I just kept going back to him every, every class about his Ferrari. How's it driving? So, <laughs> I mean, that was a little bit more personal, but like, I enjoyed the interaction joking around with him and, and obviously all the classes, but that's the first thing that came to my mind. Those coaching scenarios, yeah. if they taught me nothing else, they taught me that you can't prepare for the, you can't prepare for these things in real life. You can do all the prep work and there's going to be a curveball. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, that's not in my notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think you mean you can prepare. Yeah. There's always going to be a curveball. Yes. You can be prepared and you should be prepared, but something you can't be prepared for everything. Yes. I got your back, Elizabeth. Yes, yeah. thanks, so that sounds good on the podcast. <laughs> and it's so hard to put down the playbook, right? You're like, oh my God, prepared so well. Yeah. What do I do now? Well, I'm just going to well, the very first thing you're like, well, these notes are garbage. I'm done. <laughs> should waste my time there. Or some just kept going with it. So like, I prepared. <laughs> I'm just going to go. I'm going to go with it. You guys had some epic role players, by the way. <laughs> a lot you of did. tears. Yeah. A lot of tears. I don't know. So, I mean, Zuby had, well, Lace, right. Lacey was, was, she was a tough role player, but Zuby role played with, I forget his name. And, and, we're waiting in the room and like, it should have been back like five minutes already. So I finally had to go get him and I opened up the door and poor Zuby, I like, she was just like dramatized. And I see the role <laughs> player, like in tears in his eyes. He's like, oh, and I was like, oh my God, what is going on in here? It was hilarious. <laughs> that was in the last cohort, right? No, yeah. ours. Yeah, yeah. Josh <laughs> oh my God. It was hilarious. You guys have some fantastic role players. Mm -hmm. The one thing I, I, I wish I said earlier, I feel like just in some of the classes, like, I, I don't know if I want to say this, but it's like, I definitely grew professionally too. And I see some of my colleagues that I work really closely with have grown professionally as well. And just different large situations, the way they come off. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't want to say like, I wasn't professional, but I, you know what I mean? I definitely grew. I grew more than just leadership. I definitely grew in my, my professional career as well. How many of you feel the same? Yeah. yeah definitely. I think Brian, you may be a little too hard on yourself, man. Like, I, like you have to be, I think in this leadership role is so, there's so many things going on, but at the end of the day, we're all people. You gotta, I mean, this is life. It's not, I mean, yeah, it's important what we do, but at the, when you deal with people, it's, it's important to have that kind of lighthearted element. So just finding that balance and winning, I think, that, I think that's the maturation process you're talking about. That was kind of cool to watch you go through that. And then the, it's not necessarily professional, just becoming more, just, just more experienced, right? And then I don't ever want to see you lose that piece. And if anything, for me, it's just, it just reinforces and confirms that I need to have that side that you tone down a little bit more in my in my day-to-day -day interaction. So mm -hmm. I think that's key. Just, you can't forget who you are as an individual, something that you're still you, you're not. You're not defined by what you do. Yeah. What's really cool is, and, and, and I'm glad you brought this up, Brian, and appreciate Josh weighing in. The coaches spoke about this, the tremendous growth they saw in, in everyone, right? From, from day one to like nine months later, there was tremendous growth in, in all of you. And that was part of the, the process. Thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, 
Be sure to share it with a friend or colleague who you think might also get some value from it. I'm Rob Fonte, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Leadership Jam Session Podcast. Thank you.